Hello, I am Stine Klund, Investor Relations Officer. And I am Helena Löken, Head of Internal Communication. And you are listening to Norwegian On Air, a monthly podcast providing insights into key issues for Norwegian. Coming up today is an interview with Magnus Tome Maersund, Director for Revenue Management in Norwegian. One million seeds might sound very dramatic, but it, it's actually a quite small increase in the Norwegian market. It, it's only about a 6% increase. There's been a lot of news from Norwegian recently, hasn't it? Yes, absolutely busy days. Yeah, we just announced that we are changing uh, the estimates for our production and unit costs. Could you say a little bit more about that, Stina? Yes, uh, to sum up, we increased the production growth estimate for 2018 from 35% to 40%. Okay, what is the background for this increase? This was possible through an increase in the utilization of the narrow body aircraft, especially during low season. Okay, in what in, in which areas are we increasing the utilization or this is both the uh, it's some increase in Argentina which is added in this estimate and also spread all over Europe. And we're starting the production in Argentina approximately around approximately in October. So and this uh, production increase also affected the unit cost positively. We are looking at a higher uh, fuel price, aren't we? With uh, you know, I now unrest in Iran, and but but generally the outlook looks uh, different for the oil price. Mm, that's right. So we increased our fuel cost estimate. So the cask change was a combination of the increase in production and the increase in fuel price. Uh, and we also, uh, a while back, announced some changes in the management team, group management team. Yes, we have. Gerd Carlsen will take over as the CFO in Norwegian. He comes from the position as CFO in the shipping company Navigate and also has experience from Songa Offshore and Golden Ocean Group. So these are also asset-heavy companies that are similar to Norwegian in many ways. And I think that experience will be very valuable for Norwegian. Budasby, who has been acting CFO since July, will continue in the group management in a new position, working with strategic development. What type of work will that be? He will be responsible for projects that has previously been a part of the CFO role. That means that the CFO can be able to focus more on the operational side, and that this new role can focus more on strategic projects. We welcomed a new chief information officer on board, Kurt Simonsen, and he's also long and broad experience from major change and digitalization processes, a big buzzword these days. Mm-hmm. And he started on the 2nd of January. But Stina, we have just entered into a new year. So what would you say is the major outlook for 2018? First of all, we will take delivery of 25 new aircraft. Okay, are they spread out all over the year? or? No, it's front-end loaded, especially the wide-body fleet, with more than half the deliveries in Q1. The narrow-body fleet, however, is more skewed towards the second half. As an asset-heavy company with uh, a lot of new aircraft coming on board, financing is always a hot topic, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And we recently won a prize for the best deal of the year. Okay, could you explain what type of deal is it? That was a last Dreamliner delivered in 2017. We did a combination of the UK export credit that we have used previously as well, and Jolco, which is Japanese operating lease. So that Dreamliner was financed approximately 100% of LTV. Uh, is this something we will continue using? Yeah, we are looking into using that in 2019 as well. So with financing in place then, and 25 new aircraft entering the fleet, I guess we'll be looking at a lot of route launches. 
yes, we will. We launched 45 new routes in the year to come. And we will start flying from Gatwick to Buenos Aires already in February. Yeah, that will be our first uh, long-haul flight to the South American continent. Yes, though with the, with the UK operation. Because we're still waiting the Argentinian one, aren't we? Yes. Even though we got the green light for starting up 153 routes altogether. Yes, that was just approved by the transportation minister before New Year. Yeah, you mentioned the Gatwick launch and Mm. and Gatwick will definitely be uh, at the heart of uh, our global growth ambitions going forward. Uh, And we do see strong growth in our transatlantic capacity, don't we? Yes, absolutely. We will see a lot of increased frequency on our Gatwick operation. Yeah, I even believe that the air travel analyst OAG, they compared 2017 and 28's winter transatlantic capacity with the winter 2016 and 17. And their figures show that Norwegian has raised our transatlantic capacity by 111% in this period. And, And how does that compare to our competitors? Well, I mean, they're definitely also looking at a growth in their capacity, but they're looking at a single digit growth and not a 111% growth. But Steen, on the less positive note, what is also uh, happening (laughs) in 2018? We are preparing for the passenger tax in Sweden being introduced in April. How does that differ from the Norwegian passenger tax that was introduced recently? It's the same on short haul approximately, with 60 Swedish kroners in domestic Sweden and Sweden to Europe. So what if I were to fly long haul then, say to US or...? Uh, then it's higher. So the tax is divided into three. It's uh, 60 Swedish kroners for short haul and then it's 250 kroners to the United States. To and from? No, that is only one way. So from Sweden. And then for our flights to Bangkok, the tax is 400 Swedish kroners. We now have Magnus Thome Mersen with us. Revenue Management Director. Welcome. Thank you. So, to start with the basics, could you tell us how our price is set? Absolutely. Uh, in short, uh, we are setting the price or fare for, for every any given seat that Norwegian has for sale. Um, so we collect a lot of historical booking data for all our flights, which we then use to forecast future customer behavior and willingness to pay, so that we can maximize the revenue for our flights, basically. Well, you mentioned historical da- data, but we're also entering a lot of new markets. So so h- how do we work with pricing uh, on new routes? Uh, for new routes, as you say, we don't have any sort of relevant data. So we use proxy routes uh, that we believe might be similar to the new route uh, to sponsor the data. So, so we have something to base our forecast on. How much of this work is automated and how much is manual? A lot of it is automated, uh, but we do have a lot of analysts supervising the system and making interventions as they see fit. Because uh, things can happen that it's very hard to predict or very hard to sort of uh, anticipate, like uh, terrorist attacks, uh, unrest, competitors entering and exiting markets, for example. So it's not everything that a computer can predict for us. But you also have, you know, the recurring sort of special events like a big uh, football uh, match or things. How, how does that uh, in any ways affect the pricing and, and, and is it all automated or? Events like sports events, concerts or conferences will always influence demand because they will uh, increase the number of people that are looking to book a flight and that in itself will drive uh, the prices up. And this is not done uh, automatically, this is handled by the uh, revenue analysts who are responsible for the different routes. So they keep track of 
follow these events in their event calendar and try to adjust affairs accordingly. So when you enter into new markets then, where you're not so familiar with, you know, the big cultural events, is there a lot of research involved up front? There is absolutely a lot of research up front. Uh, you could look at um, the potential open sources that you can find out there to, to understand the markets, but you could also look at your competitors, if there are competitors there. From before, you can try to understand why they have priced certain periods of the year much higher than other periods of the year. Say you have a rotten summer in Norway or you have a poor weather forecast. Does that affect the pricing in any ways or how do you use weather to, to, to sort of steer prices? Weather will not typically affect prices in, in sort of an automated fashion. It's not like we have a feed of weather data into our system uh, that we use to set our prices. But poor weather over a long period of time will generally generate more demand. For, for more sunny destinations. So, so weather definitely has an impact. And we have used uh, weather data to uh, market certain routes, and we have also used it actively in our marketing in the past, but not, not directly in our pricing. Could that be included in the future? It is uh, absolutely possible, but it's, it's, you need to have strong algorithms then to, to predict what kind of effect this will have on the price. And it's, uh, Weather is also very local to a certain degree, so it's it's uh, hard for us to to use that data uh, as it is now, at least. We just entered into a new year, and and uh, last year we saw some consolidation in the European aviation industry. We had the failures of Monarch, Air Berlin, Alitalia. Does this in any way affect the pricing in those relevant markets? Absolutely. When capacity is removed from uh, a market, prices tend to rise. That is just sort of normal supply and demand. Especially in, in cases where there have been overcapacity or signs of overcapacity in the market, this will definitely have an impact. And we have seen news reports lately from the German domestic markets that fares are up almost 30% on certain routes after their Berlin uh, bankruptcy. So this will definitely have an impact, absolutely. And we are expanding a lot, especially on long haul. And other carriers are also doing the same. How does that affect the pricing? Well, it's kind of the opposite of the previous question with regards to capacity exiting the market. Um, it's usually the opposite when capacity is entering the market. More capacity usually means lower fares for the customers, which is a good thing. Uh, one thing you could add for long haul is that you could argue that uh, long haul has been quite underserved from the legacy carriers and Norwegian and other players like Huawei and Primera are generating new traffic, which couldn't afford to travel long haul or long distance before, but now they're able to. But more capacity usually means lower fares for the consumer. Is that the same for the um, capacity increase that we are seeing in Norway now in 2018? We are adding one million seats to the Norwegian market. One million seats might sound very dramatic, but it, it's actually a quite small increase in the Norwegian market. It, it's only about a 6% increase. So for the Norwegian market, we wouldn't really say that this would lead to lower fares. There's a reason we're adding this capacity to the market, and that's because we're seeing uh, a high demand for it. So no, I wouldn't say that. Long haul is a bit of a different question. We also talk about ancillary revenue like revenue generated by new products that are not included in the ticket price. Are we introducing any new products into the market now? We have recently introduced uh, differentiated pricing for seed selection uh, on certain routes, which we will expand uh, to, to most of our route network fairly quickly. 
Uh, up until now, seed selection has have had the same price point, regardless of whether it's been a, a middle seat in the back of the plane or it's been an emergency exit seat with, with extra legroom. Uh, we're changing that now, which we believe will be a, a good driver for, for more ancillary revenue for us in the future. We also introduced the bid for upgrade solution last year, which allows customers to bid for a seat upgrade on long haul, which has been very successful. And for 2018, we have a, we have a pipeline of new products that we also plan to introduce. But also when it comes to pricing, there are a lot of uh, myths uh, out there about you know what's the ideal time to to book to get the the, the most affordable fare uh, so uh, could, could you just share some uh, we want to bust some myth is it true that the ticket prices differs from IP address to IP address no that's not something that we do it's also very easy for customers to check this for themselves they could uh, look up the fare on their phone at the same time as they're on their laptop or or iPad so that's not true it seems like uh, the prices increase every time I, I uh, look at the web page. Is that true? This is not true either, and this is probably the most common myth that we see. Um, that we place a cookie on your computer and every time you refresh your search we will increase the, the price. When it happens that the price increases, it's typically that someone else bought the ticket in the meantime. It's not something that we speculate on. And that is because the typical booking curve is um, the prices are increasing when when the travel is getting closer in time. Is that right? Absolutely. Tickets prices will generally incre- increase the closer you get to departure. That's the good rule of thumb. Is that the same for short haul or long haul, or do you see a different booking curve? Uh, the general rule of thumb is that the, the, the longer the flight, basically, the longer the booking curve. People plan more in advance; the more expensive the ticket is. Or so, so typically you would see that high-frequency routes, domestic routes, they will have a very short booking curve. Uh, but uh, routes to the Mediterranean or long routes, people plan more in advance. But do you see any significant difference between markets? There are definitely differences between markets. Some of the markets where uh, there's been a very high presence of legacy carriers, you see that customers are more trained in booking uh, early. Uh, in, in other markets, and it could be also a cultural thing, uh, we see that people wait very close until departure before they book their flight. And then the last myth, is it true that the ticket price is the lowest eight weeks before departure, as we can read in the newspapers? No, this is also a myth. Uh, as I said previously, uh, ticket prices generally in- to increase the closer you get to departure uh, because the cheapest tickets they usually sell up first. Uh, you will always find some exceptions to this uh, rule, but there's no magic uh, point in the booking curve where the price is at the lowest. Okay, so you won't give us any inside tip uh, as to when we should book? Unfortunately, not. Thank you for uh, taking the time, Linus. Thank you. Thank you for listening and please remember to send in any questions or proposed topics to investor.relations at norwegian.com.